following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm upward bound, Lord plant my feet on higher ground, Lord lift me up, Lord, lift me up and let me stand, but faith on a gleam of glory bright, but still I'll pray till heaven I found, Lord lead me on to higher ground. spoke last night with a man asking him the question are you living clean with Jesus he answered no I know I need to I know I want to I know I love Jesus I love the Lord but I also enjoy my sin. I enjoy my pornography. I enjoy the clubs, the dancing, the music. I enjoy, and he named a whole bunch of things he enjoyed, his his TV room, his large screen, his friends and parties. He enjoys all of this. And he said, I know I have to change. I know I have to make a decision to give everything to Jesus. But pastor, I just don't seem to be able to do that. I know I will sometime. 
right now I'm not ready to do that. Well, welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I suspect that this man represents many of you who are listening. You intend to give Jesus every loyalty of your heart. You desire to walk with him. But if I were to ask you today, are you walking clean with Jesus? Many of you, if you were going to be honest, would have to say no. You believe that God is unconditionally loving you. You believe that he covers your sin over by his grace. You believe that all you need to do is do your best, but also enjoy life. I want to share with you some scriptures today. I promised I would dive into Romans, the seventh chapter with you. Romans 7 represents the large majority of American Christians today. We need to look carefully at this. Reading in context, however, because you know that the Apostle Paul did not write Romans 7. He didn't write Romans 6. He didn't write Romans 8. He wrote the whole book. So we must get the context. And if we go to Romans, the sixth chapter, he says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. See, Paul is recognizing the human limitation. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Paul just says, look, this is what you're supposed to do. Don't offer your bodies any longer to the pornography or to the sexual uncleanness. Don't offer your bodies to masturbation. Don't offer your bodies to the world, the flesh, or the devil. Don't offer your bodies there. But pastor, I can't do it. Well, listen. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life wait a minute did you hear that but now that you have been set free from sin we're going to find in the seventh chapter of the book of romans that many have not been set free from the law of sin and death that you're still bound by it. And so Paul's words, now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness, that's an impossible action for many of you because you find you can't do it. You try, but you can't do it. 
I know for many years. I did my very best to be a good Christian. But somehow wicked thoughts would come into my mind. Or I would see something that I wanted to participate in. And so I would. I would I would be caught up in novels, lies. I loved historical novels. I'd get caught up in them, and of course, they did not lead me to righteousness. They didn't lead me to Jesus. They led me to death. Everything of this world, even though it be entertaining and perhaps even comforting to our hearts, leads us to death. So there has to be something that happens in your life that totally changes you, that sets you free. Now, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about slavery. It's about freedom. Freedom to serve and live in righteousness, in innocence, in love. Satan is the one who puts us in bondage, bondage to the law of sin and death. He concludes this portion by saying, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So something has to change, something has to happen in our lives if we are going to walk not in the wages of sin, which is death, but in the gift of God, which is eternal life. There must be a gift that comes into your life supernaturally. I'm here today to talk about that gift that can come into your life that will transform you. You say, Pastor, I am I am bound in my sexual wickedness. I'm bound in my gambling. I'm bound by the drugs I take. I'm bound. Pastor, I tried to stop smoking, but I couldn't. I tried to lay the alcohol down, but I couldn't. A man used to call this broadcast regularly weeping. An alcoholic. And he said, Pastor, God's just going to have to love me the way I am because I can't quit drinking. He was caught in bondage. This is not the gospel. The gospel means good news. Good news doesn't mean I'm going to continue in my sin and degradation and be destroyed. Neither does the gospel mean that I can't turn to Jesus and be transformed into a new person. You see, I'm not here to talk philosophically with you. I'm here to to speak with you very practically about, look, do you have any desire in your heart to be set free from the law of sin and death? If you do, I'm going to show you how that can happen for you today, right now. You can be set free. You can be delivered from that addiction. You can be delivered from that wickedness 
in that relationship that is unclean. You can be released from the drugs. You can be released from your bitter anger. Did you know that anger is one of the worst things in a person's soul? It is utterly destructive. I meet people who are bitterly angry. Oh, the outside is calm and peaceful when they come to church or they're calm and peaceful when they talk with you about Jesus. But let something trigger them and the rage begins to burst forth. I hate him. I can't stand him. And their face turns red. They're so angry. And seldom are they angry for the reason they think they're angry. One person in my life, they were always angry with me. And it was clear that I wasn't the cause of their anger. They were putting that anger on me. Their anger was at their mom, their dad. But somehow I reminded them of how their mom and dad had been with them. And so they were bitter and angry with me. Called me every name in the book. Cursed at me. That anger eats a person up on the inside. And some of you today, come on, let's be honest. Some of you today are angry men. And some of you today are angry women. And you're putting that anger out on your spouse or on your kids or on somebody and you're not taking responsibility for that concern and anger. I want to tell you today, you can be delivered from that anger. I'll never forget the day Jesus delivered me from my anger. As a young man, I was so bitter and so angry at the way I had been treated by my brothers, by my parents. I was angry about my situation. I was angry about what was going on in my life. It felt like I had no control. It felt like everything was against me. And so my fists would fly and I would fight at the drop of a hat. Just look wrong at me and I was going to be punching you and I'll never forget a revival came to the Christian high school I was in and I began to weep here I am a a high school guy tears began to flow down my cheeks in this meeting as he was talking about Jesus And I said, Jesus, if you're real, would you take this anger? I give it to you. I don't want it anymore. It's destroying me in my inner being, in my inner soul. I'm being eaten up by this bitterness. As I was praying like this, a great calm came upon me. And my anger was gone. The wounds of my past were healed instantaneously. I didn't have to sit in a psychiatrist's chair for years. The 
anger was gone. And I was free. The fighting stopped. The bitterness stopped. The It was over. I was free. By the power of the blood of Jesus, I was free. And I've been free ever since. Today, I don't live angry. By the grace of God, I don't live angry. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let's dive in to this chapter 7. And let's look very carefully at what's being said here. I want you to understand this. I want you to be set free, brother. I want you to be set free, sister. I want you to walk in Jesus in all the fullness. I don't want you to offer your bodies to the powers of darkness. I want the cry of your heart to be answered as you come to Jesus. Chapter 7, verse 1. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now, what is he saying in simplest terms? He is saying to you, if you walk in sin, you are under the bondage of the law and you are not saved. So let's get that very clear right at the beginning every man and every woman who walks in this world is either under the bondage of the law and condemned for sin because the wages of sin are death. Or you have been crucified with Christ. You have died to that thing. You have denied self-interest. You have said no to to the things that you love in this world, in this flesh, and you have deliberately chosen to say, yes, Jesus, I want you. Would you change me? Would you make me into a new creature? Now, if you look, keep your finger there in Romans 7, if you're following along, and go with me, 
to Galatians, the second chapter. For through the law, verse 19, I died to the law. In other words, the law came and condemned me and said, you are going to go to hell. Now this requires a great deal of honesty. Some of you flatter yourself too much to even recognize your sin. It requires that we stop all flattery, that we acknowledge our sin before God and before our own heart, that we get honest with the Lord God of heaven, that we come to the law and say, look, I can't live this way anymore. I am at the end of my ability to continue the sham of walking in my pleasure and my wickedness, thinking that I'm going to go to heaven because I know the wages of what I'm doing are death. I am going to die. And so I choose to live for God and I choose to no longer live for myself. I give up all of my ambition. I give up all of my plans. I give up all of my pleasures. And I now am going to seek with all of my heart Jesus Christ. I'm going to seek the Lord of heaven and life. I'm going to seek with all of my mind. I'm going to turn the TV off. I can't tell you how many men and women are going to end up in hell because they frittered their time away sitting in front of a ball game or some other foolish thing and never had time to just come and spend time with Jesus and seek his face. And the devil comes and he says, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a lot more exciting than the tree of life. Well, I've got news for you. You're a liar, devil. I want the tree of life. And the more you come and bury yourself in the scriptures, the more time you spend in the presence of Jesus, asking the Holy Spirit to utterly put to death everything of darkness in your soul, taking responsibility for all of your thoughts, all of your actions, acknowledging that which is evil, and giving it now freely into the hand of Jesus. Paul says, Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The only way you're going to be able to be born again is to give up your life and allow Jesus to bring you a new life, a new way. It means putting to death by denial of self, by denial of my interest. You know, I I finally had to acknowledge that my plans to build the kingdom of God will never work. I can advance in all manner of ways, 
But in the end, it'll all crash down and burn. The only things that will last are the things of the Spirit, the things of Jesus. So, put the romance novels away. Put the historical novels away. You know what the word novel means? A lie. Put the lies away. Put the worship of false gods away. Put the worship of occults away. The occultism, the Hinduism, the Buddhism. Put away the the routines of your life. Going to yoga. Buddhism. Hinduism. False gods. Eastern mysticism. Put them away. Deny yourself. And focus in on Jesus. And he will crucify you. He will put these things to death. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, I'm living right now in my physical body. But I am not the one who supports this physical body. This body is supported by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit who quickens me. You see, he so loved me that he gave himself for me on the cross. So I don't set aside the grace of God. Because righteousness cannot be gained by struggling to do right. Righteousness is gained as a gift as I deny myself and give myself over fully to Jesus. So he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. So the Holy Spirit comes to us and he brings a law. And the law says to us, you are wrong in that. So the law is not unclean. It's not unrighteous. It simply was given to help us see where we have separated from God, where we have created our own life, where we have our own ways. So the law comes to a man who is addicted to sexuality and says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't walk in the ways of fornication. Pornography is just adultery and fornication. Oh, it's with your computer screen, but it's in your mind and in your heart. And Jesus said, If you look at a woman in lust, you've already committed adultery or fornication with her. So the law is given to help bring us into awareness 
of what is right and what is wrong. I spend much time every day in scripture and in prayer. Why? Well, because I love Jesus and I want to be with him. And one of the ways I can be with him is to read his word and learn about him and his ways. But I also, in that process, it's a mirror that's held up before my face, as Pastor James says. That mirror is held up in front of my face, and I begin to see how different my attitude is from Jesus' attitude, or how different my behavior is than Jesus. Some of you have so given yourself to try to make a dollar in this world. You're constantly in crisis. You're constantly struggling. You're constantly... I know one person, this person goes from one crisis to the next. Currently, they're homeless. Now, I've done everything I can do to help them in that situation with money and and food and sharing and even a place to stay sometimes. But why is this person in this crisis? Well, because they choose a crisis lifestyle. And it's killing them. It's killing them. But, oh well, I can make it. I'm tough. I'm strong. Really? Until you're not. Some of you thrive, you think, on a challenge and crisis. One dear brother said this past Sunday, the Lord wants us to have stability, to move slowly, step by step being led by the Holy Spirit, not from crisis to crisis, but from victory to victory. And Some of you live in such crisis. Some of you in your marriage, your husband lives in this side and your wife lives on that side and there's constant conflict and you've lived this way forever. No. That's not Jesus. That's wickedness. The Lord did not come to put us in bondage. He came to deliver us. I said to one person, why are you living this way? Well, because I can't afford to live any other way. Wrong. Wrong. It's just not reality. The Lord wants the crisis of your life to end. He wants you to be stable He wants you to walk with him in joy and victory. He wants the sin to stop. He wants the judgments to stop. He wants the accusations to stop. Can you believe it? Jesus wants you. (laughs) Jesus wants you to enjoy life. It's a gift he's given to us. He wants your joy to be complete. He wants you to celebrate being alive. He doesn't want you groaning, saying, I just want to die. That's not Jesus. That's the devil. So the law came 
to open up the reality of my sin against God and the ways that I think and operate that are at odds with the way he thinks and operates. Verse 10. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So something very deceptive goes on here. That somehow, I think I have to live this way. That I'm caught in this marriage. I'm caught in this job. I'm caught in this drug addiction. I'm caught in this lust for the things of the world. I'm caught in it. Who's going to set me free? And Paul is saying these things that are being identified by the scriptures. These things will kill you. Do you hear me? Sin will bring you to hell. All sin brings death. The wages of sin are death. You have to have a transformation, a cleansing, a washing, a renewing to be born from above. The law is holy. The commandments are holy. They're righteous. They're good. But if they come and point out my sin, and I don't turn from that because I don't have any power, and the commandment doesn't bring you any power, it only brings condemnation. Knowing what to do does not give you the power to do it. My coming to you and saying, Stop watching pornography. Is that going to make you stop watching pornography? Of course not. You're going to say, Pastor, I'm guilty. You're right. I'm wrong. Now get out of my face. I'm going to keep doing it. Am I right? So what's going to change you? Paul asks the question, Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. So there is a process here that Paul is talking about where a man has to come to terms or a woman has to come to terms with the wickedness of your heart. If you're unwilling to look at the wickedness of your heart, if you're unwilling to look at the wickedness of your bitter anger, if you're unwilling to look at how you like your mom or like your dad, whom you despise, perhaps, if you're unwilling to look at that bitterness of heart that fills you, that poisons your marriage, that poisons your friendships, that, that poisons your life, if you're unwilling to look at that and take responsibility for it, the law will simply put you to death. It'll kill you. And it'll ship you off to hell. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, 
But then he says, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Now, many people totally misunderstand and use this as an excuse and say, look, I'm unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I can't help myself. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. This is the condition of a man who is living under the law. This is not how Paul is living. Read the context. This is not how Paul is living. But many of you who are listening to this broadcast right now have a guilty conscience. And you don't think you can do anything about it because you've tried and you've not been able to break out of this box that you are locked into. You are sold as a slave to sin. And yet you somehow think that God's grace is going to cover you like a warm blanket and you're going to be taken to heaven. And as you die, you're going to be changed and become holy. That's a wicked lie. Nowhere in the scriptures is that taught. Nowhere in scripture is holiness used in the future tense. It is always in the present tense. You're made holy now or you will never be holy. Today is the day of salvation. Not when you die. That's not the day of salvation. That's the day of judgment. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when you must decide. And this man I spoke of earlier, he's been saying the same thing to me for several years. And as the time goes by, the bondage grows heavier. He's no longer attending church. He's living the good life. He has his friends and they're all living the same way. And he thinks it's impossible to live a righteous life. Well, it is for him because he refuses to die. He refuses to allow Christ to crucify him. He loves the things of darkness. He loves the way of the world. He loves the sound of the music in the club. The dirty dancing. He loves dirty dancing. He loves making it with a woman. He loves it. And until he's willing to recognize how wicked that is and recognize that the law condemns him for that and that he is going to go to hell, he will not change. I can't conjole him. I can't convince him. <laughs> he's going to have to face the music. and He's going to have to finally decide before he's carted off to hell. Romans 7, 16, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And it is. It's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. 
no good thing dwells in your sinful nature. And that sinful nature has to be put to death. It must be crucified with Christ. But you must face honestly the condition of your heart and begin to cry out to God and say, there must be a change. I can't continue this way. I have to be set free. I'm in bondage. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Is that your situation today? Do you keep on doing what you know is wrong? Does your inner being still lust after the things of this world? All the toys and trinkets? Is there something in your inner being that still wants that illicit sex? Is there something in your soul that still wants the fast life? You still want to live in the crisis and the the fight? You still want to live in the anger and the bitterness of your heart? Is there something in you that still says, yes, I want that? Until you admit there is, you won't have it broken from you. I've prayed for some people, Lord. They're asking me to pray that their cigarettes would be removed and that all taste for tobacco would be removed. I've prayed that for some people and instantly they are delivered and they never pick up another cigarette, and they're happy. They're at peace. But others I've prayed for, and I see them later, and I say, what's happening? Well, pastor, I'm still smoking. What? We prayed, and the power of God was there. What happened? Well, pastor, I really like smoking. Ah. How about if we pray a different prayer? Could we ask Jesus to put hatred in your heart for that tobacco? Well, do you want it or not? Is it good for you or not? Is it killing you or not? You already have one man, emphysema, and you're still smoking. It's killing you. All right, Pastor. Would you pray that I would hate my cigarettes? even though I love them? All right, I'll pray for you, but first you pray and tell Jesus how much you love your cigarettes. Tell Jesus how much you love your sin. And then ask Jesus to put hatred in your heart for that thing. And if you're sincere about this and you pray that prayer, I'll pray for you for total deliverance. I've never had it fail. The power of tobacco is broken over them and they walk away free. It doesn't matter whether it's cigarettes or sex or lust for money or ambition or... It all works the same. When we come to Jesus and we're totally honest with him about the love we have for our sin and we ask him to put hatred in our heart for that sin, and we renounce it in his name, 
by his blood, and we allow Jesus to crucify us with himself, to circumcise our hearts, he will set us free. And then we're free to live in the joy of the Lord. Then the scriptures come alive for us. Then we want to read the scriptures and pray. These things become the very life and breath of our soul. Is that your experience? Or are you still saying, I have the desire to do what is, what is good, but I cannot carry it out? For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. That keep that I keep on doing. Is that your experience? Then you are still under the law, not under grace. You are under the law, not under not under grace. Grace breaks the power of sin in your heart. It teaches you to say no to ungodliness. Grace never allows you to continue walking in your sin and to be comfortable in that. That's not grace. That's a lie from the devil. He wants to set you free. He loves you. Now he continues. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. This is what I find countless people who call themselves Christians. They go to church every week. They give their tithes. If you confront them about their chewing tobacco or you confront them with their pornography or you confront them with their fornication, you confront them with their lust for money and greed, you confront them with whatever the sin is that is very apparent before you. They'll even weep crocodile tears and say, oh, I don't want this. Okay? Then you need to let this commandment put you to death. You need to die. Pastor, I've tried to repent of this so many times. But it just doesn't work. Oh, you know why it doesn't work? It's very simple. You still love it. You still want it. It's the desire of your heart. So there is a sentimental thing that says, I want Jesus, but in reality, you want the wickedness of your heart. You want to be free to be angry as you choose. You want to be free to backbite and gossip as you choose. You want to be free to to complain and grumble. You want to be free to spend your money any way you like. It's your money, right? It's your life, right? Well, not when you come to Jesus all of that changes. It's not your money. It's not your life. It's not. It all belongs to Jesus. And now you're a servant of Jesus Christ. And he lives in you and dwells in you. 
Verse 24, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Are you a wretched man today? Are you a wretched woman? Are you caught in your heart with anger and bitterness and lust? Are you making your own way and your own plans? Are you deciding what you want to do and then you're going about finding a way to accomplish what it is you want? Or do you know what God's purpose is for your life? Remember yesterday we said, faith finds out the divine plan and then lives and acts and works according to that divine plan. And the sign that we must give to God that lets him know that we're serious is we take our shoes off and we no longer stand in holy ground in our pride and our arrogance. We humble our hearts before Almighty God. Have you done that? Our deliverance comes through Jesus Christ. Are you, in your mind, a slave? Are you a slave to sin? Or have you been set free? The people, the bishops, the pastors, who say to me, Ray, it's impossible to live without sin. Yes, they're right. It is impossible to live without sin so long as you are under the law. But when you're no longer under the law because you have died to that, you have been delivered by Jesus Christ. Your life totally changes. You don't love the same things anymore. You don't go to the same places anymore. You don't think the same thoughts anymore. Now Jesus begins to absorb the very best of your thoughts. He delivers you from every bondage. Suddenly that job that was so horrible becomes a place where you love and minister and care for other people and you pour out your heart even as Jesus poured out his heart for the healing of others. Your life is no longer about yourself. Your money is no longer about your pleasure. Your heart is no longer bitter and angry because you've been transformed. You have become a follower of Jesus Christ. He has delivered you. He has set you free. Is that your experience today? I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person listening to this broadcast that that they will become very honest with you about who they are and the condition of their soul, that they will no longer be happy or willing to live in the bondage of grumbling, complaining, bitterness, anger, lust, love of the flesh, love of the devil, love of the world. Lord, I pray that you will come now with power 
and unveil their hearts that they could see their true condition and begin to weep before you for their sin, that great conviction would pour out over their hearts right now. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, we're going to continue this tomorrow. We're going to continue and look at chapter 8. Chapter 7 is not the normal life of the church, the Christian. Chapter 8 of Romans is the normal life. Please read it before tomorrow, and then we'll talk about it. I'd love to hear from you. I need your support, your prayers. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two, one nine five. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box, twenty three forty six, Woodbridge, Virginia, two two, one nine five. Go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Christ alone.